Hey everyone, so this week we cover a really important section in our study of Mark. After all the opposition that we have seen Jesus encounter so far, um, this is the first real block of teaching that Mark records for us to read. Um, and so today we have uh, before us a smorgasbord of parables. However, this buffet, if you will, uh, is all centered around one topic, and that is the Word of God, or, or, and, and, and in other ways, the Kingdom of God. Um, so let's get ready. Uh, we're going to be reading uh, a big part of um, Scripture right now, uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. And it starts like this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd had gathered around him, um, was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and birds came and ate it up. As some, and some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still others, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, "Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear." When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything else is everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for good things, uh, for other things, sorry, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. And we see that this is actually a really key parable to understanding all other parables, uh, especially in, in, in the context of our study of Mark. In verse 11, Jesus tell the, tells the disciples that the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And the word secret is also translated mystery. And this is not to mean uh, mystery in the sense that, oh, that's so mysterious, oh, that's so um, uh, tri uh, trippy, so so. so Unshrouded in, 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 in this cloud, I guess. Um, but it is the sense that there are aspects of the kingdom of God um, that he has left hidden but is now revealing. And this revelation is different to what we expect. Therefore, it still holds an element of the mystery to us. It calls us to trust 
in God. This is really important because the mysteries of the kingdom of God is not to tell us that it is impossible to understand the fullness of what God has for us, but rather is to give us a sense that God desires to reveal these mysteries to us. And how we choose to respond to these mysteries are extremely important. You see, the way that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God to reveal, uh, is to reveal aspects of what it is like. What was hidden is now being revealed. And this revelation is not what people were thinking it would be like. And that's why the disciples, on hearing these parables, they still came to Jesus and said, Teachers, explain it to us. It possibly wasn't because they didn't really get it, but it was more that it... It, it, it challenged them, it challenged their worldview, and that is why Jesus asked them, How then will you understand any parable? The revelation of the kingdom, the way that God is revealing the, the, the mysteries, the hidden things of the kingdom, require us as his disciples to change our worldview for us to truly be able to grasp it. And that's what we need to be doing today and every day that we are receiving the Word of God is, is uh, seeing how it challenges us, challenges our worldview, challenges the way that we see things, our perspective, our mindsets. And, and we need to be able to challenge, change how we see things in order that we can truly grasp the things of this kingdom. Now, in talking about the mystery of God, Jesus also quotes Isaiah 6 verses 9 to 10. Uh, and, and in the context of Isaiah's words, uh, is a whole idea of though they may be seeing and never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. And Isaiah, uh, Jesus was actually quoting Isaiah uh, in, in this Mark passage that we're reading. And and, and, and we need to bring in that context to understand uh, the true fullness of what Jesus was expressing here. You see, in the Hebrew mindset, there are seven senses. Sight, hearing, touch, taste, smell, speech, and being able to move or being able to respond. The usage of sight and hearing in particular uh, speaks about how God is revealing His intentions, revealing the hidden things of the kingdom. And, and what we then need to do, if we truly have our senses intact, all seven of them, is that we end up responding. We end up moving towards God. However, in Isaiah, Isaiah was prophesying that the, 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 the Israelites, even though the, the salvation was being prophesied to them, God was revealing himself through these prophets, through these prophecies about salvation, about how he was bringing them close to him. They still chose, they still chose to stand apart from God. They chose not to move towards God. And so Isaiah uses this imagery that their senses are not working, even though they are seeing, they are not perceiving, even though they are hearing, they're not perceiving, because even though they know all of these things, they are not moving towards God. Their senses are not working. And in Isaiah, as is a motif in the Old Testament in particular, uh, there's this sense that... Uh, Whoever you worship, you become, or whatever you worship, you become. And that is a very important thing for us to, to consider. We'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment. 
We become what we worship. And Israel was often um, seen to be moving away from worshiping God and instead worshiping idols. We can remember that on, uh, in, in the Exodus account. They had left Egypt and they got to Mount Sinai. God was bringing his um, uh, the laws down with Moses. But while Moses was up there uh, having an encounter with God, having uh, the Ten Commandments given to him, what was Israel doing? They made a golden calf that they chose to worship. Aaron the priest told them, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. And this is, is worthless. It's made of gold. It's worth money. But it is worthless because it is not a God that can see. Not a God that can hear. Not a God that has got any power or authority. Yet the Israelites chose to worship this God rather than the God who had performed 10 different plagues in order to rescue Israel from Egypt. And so there is this link between how Israel were pursuing these idols and becoming as lifeless, becoming as senseless as their idols. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have senses that don't work. They are like these worthless, lifeless idols. And so Jesus was talking about how in, in bringing these parables um, to, to the crowds that were listening, are they actually truly listening? Are they allowing themselves to be challenged? And are they responding to the word? So as Jesus explains in this key parable, the farmer, God, sows the seed, the word, the revelation of the kingdom. And then there are four kinds of people and, and four different responses, if you will, uh, to uh, the word that is sown. There are those that respond and receive the revelation and they bear fruit. But then there are three other kinds of responses. There are those that cannot even hear the revelation. There are those that do not commit to the revelation. And there are those who have concerns for other things other than the revelation that has been brought to them. What is this revelation? Considering that we've studied this in the book of Mark and, and all that we've read so far, the revelation is about the person of Jesus. Jesus comes and Jesus is divisive. He challenges what people know about God. He challenges uh, what people have studied as the law uh, and, and how they created this sense of who God is. The person of Jesus has been revealed. And yes, uh, when we read the parable of the sower, it does talk about hearing from God, uh, uh, how, how you listen to the now word of God as well. I do believe that. But particularly to this study, we need to realize that when Jesus was speaking this parable, he was telling people, you need to watch how you respond to me as the revelation of God. The person of Jesus is God revealing himself. How crazy is that? And we can see that there were all of these responses, those that weren't committed to Jesus, those who, who, who pursued other things other than Jesus. There were those who just could not even understand that Jesus was uh, someone special. They did not receive the revelation at all. And then there were the disciples who drew close to Jesus, who truly wanted to understand the revelation. The question that you have to ask yourself 
The question that all of us have to ask ourselves when we read this parable is how are we responding to Jesus? Which of the four responses do you see in yourself? Are you drawing closer to Jesus or do you not care? Do you not have any sense of why Jesus is important to you? Or have you only committed partially? Or have you had other concerns where you are trying to follow Jesus, but you keep getting sidetracked with the other things of this world? What is your response to Jesus? Now, we have three other parables that follow from this and, and, and they continue this theme of this revelation uh, that we have been talking about. So let's read on in the second parable in verses 21 to 24. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Here we go again, that same, that same line that he used in the first parable. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With, uh, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So with the understanding of the key parable, the first parable, Jesus talks about revelation being like a lamp. It sheds light and it reveals. See, when the person of Jesus comes to you, it reveals. It is a light that reveals. Another way of talking about this is that it is a light that exposes. It leaves you with a choice to make. You can either commit or you can turn away. We all have this choice. We have a choice to receive Jesus or we have a choice like those other three responses. They are all the same kind of response. It is pushing God away. And so we get to, in this parable, with this picture, we either get to bring the light in, to shed light, to stop us from stumbling around a place, or we get to hide it. It's your choice. Do you put the lamp on the stand, on its proper stand, for it to shed light like it's supposed to, or do you hide it away? Two choices this time around, accept or deny. I have said this before in this series, and I will say it again, and I'll probably say it many more times. Jesus is gracious. He is kind. He is love. He is compassionate. He brings signs and wonders and miracles. He, he, he looks after the down and the out. Uh, he looks after those that are in oppression. He looks after the outcasts. But Jesus divides. You either accept Jesus or you deny Jesus. That is a choice that we must make. Jesus does not leave you with this middle ground. We don't have this middle ground where the lamp sheds some light in some places with a choice of where it, what it exposes. We either allow Jesus to expose or we hide Jesus away from us. And this is what Jesus says, with the measure we use, more will be given. When we bring Jesus' light into our life, it continues to expose. It brings more and more light. And that can be scary for us because it exposes things that we want to hide. Because of shame, because of what we want to control, we don't always like the light. But it is a healing light. It's a life-giving light. And if we choose to reject it, Jesus says that even what you have will be taken away. Rejecting, rejecting Jesus brings more and more darkness. The choice of light or darkness 
is placed before you today. Let's read on in the third parable. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Here Jesus describes what it's like to receive more and more of him. It isn't like we truly know how our fruitfulness is supposed to come to pass. Our growth happens without us knowing. As long as our soil, our hearts, are good and receptive to the seed, it will grow. This is what Jesus is promising. When you receive the seed, it will grow whether you know it or not. As long as we keep our hearts soft, we will see fruit in our lives. And there's also a sense that while we don't see the growth happening, there is this pattern that we can observe. The seed produces a stalk and then the head and then the full kernel. This is similar to our journey in Christ. There are steps that are noticeable. We might not know how this growth has taken place. We might wake up tomorrow and go, oh, I haven't seen too much yet. But when we step back and when we observe uh, this pattern of our life, we will be able to see the growth. More importantly, others who are ahead on a journey, who have lived out this pattern of growth and maturity, will be able to observe it in us as well. That is why it is so important for us as Christians, this is something that I'm bringing in, this is not specifically in this passage, but is a revelation to me. I need others on my journey. Sometimes the patterns that are being established in my life, I don't really see because the change seems to be gradual and I don't see the increments of change. But others who are observing me from the outside will be able to go, hey, Nate, that is the stalk, that is the head, that is the full kernel. You are producing fruit. That is something that is a lot easier to observe from the outside than on the inside. So have you got people around you that are able to establish with you whether you have a pattern of growth or not? That is an important thing. But here's a promise. I want to reiterate that because that's the important part of this passage of this particular parable. When you receive the seed, even though you don't know it, even though sometimes it's like, I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing or not, it will produce fruit in the right season. That's a promise. If you receive Christ and you are committed to Him and you are trying to follow Him, having this soft heart towards Him, you will grow. Um, one of the things that I do want to point out, as I mentioned in the first parable, is we become what we worship. We become who we worship. That's a great way to keep your heart soft. You see, worship exposes us to the presence of God. It brings us in, in close proximity with God, uh, in a place where we have lesser distractions and less things that are taking us away. We come into the presence of God. We sit in the presence of God and we become more like Christ. Our hearts are softened and we are receiving more of Him. 
Worship is so important. And worship is not just song, it's not just singing songs of worship, it is in every aspect of our lives. But worship through song is one of the key and most important or, or, or really practical ways that we can understand worship as it's portrayed in the Bible. So every Sunday evening in this season, we are having Sunday Night Live. We're going to start to do some face-to-face uh, live worship uh, sessions with, with limited numbers of people. Stay tuned and make sure you jump on our app as we uh, uh, go into that. Uh, but I, I just pray that you understand how important it is to be in God's presence, to have that soft heart. If you want to see growth in your life, if you want to see change in your life, you need to be in God's presence. Sunday Night Live is one of those vehicles and one of those tools for you to constantly come back to worship God, to adore Him, to receive the revelation from Him. Awesome. Anyway, public service announcement over. Let's head into the final um, uh, parable for uh, uh, this passage. Uh, and, and it starts in verse 30 to 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such, branch, such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. The final parable of this set, Jesus compares the kingdom to a tiny little mustard seed. Now, this is an important reference. The whole reference in particular about the big branches where birds can perch in its shade is actually a pretty famous uh, analogy that is used in the in Israel scriptures in the Old Testament. We see this in Ezekiel chapter 17, 22 to 24, and again in uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 12. But on both of those accounts, instead of starting with the mustard seed, it talks about having the top of a cedar tree, this big, strong cedar tree. God takes the top of it and plants that, and then that second uh, stump, uh, 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 the top of that cedar plant uh, takes root and begins to grow. So it already starts from a place of strength. In particular, in the Ezekiel passage, it refers to the Davidic kingdom, the kingdom of King David, the rule of King David, how it was established over time, God made this promise and God was going to take that and re-establish the Davidic kingdom, which is fulfilled in Jesus. But here Jesus is using that picture of the tree growing. And this time, instead of talking about how the kingdom comes from this place of strength, he actually talks about it coming from the place of a mustard seed, this tiny little mustard seed. And the Jewish people who were in audience, who were listening to Jesus teach, would have recognized this picture. And it would have been puzzling to them because they're thinking King David, the blessings of uh, the line of King David, etc. They're thinking that that's what God's trying to establish. But God's here saying, I'm looking for the small, I'm looking for the insignificant, and I'm going to work through that. And it's going to have the same, if not a greater effect than from the line of the strong, the line of the blessed. And the interesting thing is that he chooses to use the mustard seed. The mustard seed is not a tree. It's a weed. It is uh, known to be an extremely hardy, resilient plant, and it proliferates wildly. It is very hard to get rid of. Jesus isn't about using strong, established people to build his kingdom. He's about using the small and seemingly insignificant who are committed, who are resilient to hold on to his word and to what he is doing and has his ability 
could therefore grow and multiply. And when this kingdom is built on this mustard seed, this wild weed, it still has a potential to grow uh, even greater uh, than anything has ever seen. This mustard tree, uh, seed grows into the tree in this parable. That is impossible. But that is the mystery of the kingdom, that God can use something seemingly small and insignificant. He can use me. He can use you. And together, there is this sense that God is able to make something significant out of all of this. But we need to commit. We need to be resilient. We need to be hardy. We need to keep choosing Christ over the concerns of this world. Don't dismiss the small days. Don't dismiss the days where you don't know whether you're truly growing. Don't dismiss the days where nothing seems to be happening. Continue to hold on and it will grow. God promises that. Let's finish, this, let's finish off with the last few verses in verse 33 to 34. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Here, once again, we see the difference between the crowd and the disciples. The crowd hears the mysteries, but doesn't really press into them. The disciples are the ones that come close and hear the true and full revelation. They were able to switch and change their mindsets, allowing what Jesus was teaching, the revelation of the kingdom, to really take root in their lives. But notice as well that Mark records that Jesus only gave as much as they could understand. You see, sometimes I understand that I feel that I need to understand everything that Jesus is wanting and, and has taught. But no, it's about taking step by step the revelation that Jesus is bringing today to you. Holding on to that revelation today. And, and, and he will keep bringing more and more. And as we keep grabbing, there is this gradual um, change and this gradual growth. It will radically alter your life if you commit to this step-by-step -step growing process that Jesus is doing in your life and in my life. The mystery of the kingdom is found in the person of Jesus. That God would leave heaven to be a human being to be his creation, to live life like us, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, to take away the separation between us and God, to bring us, mere sinners, life and life abundantly. How do you respond to this Jesus? How is your heart towards him? Today, when you're listening to this message, if you want to commit to Jesus, I would love to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus into your life. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you were the perfect sacrifice for me, that you brought redemption and that you brought life. I've confessed that I am just a sinner and I need saving. I need healing. I need you. I need your life. So I invite you in fully. I commit to you fully, Jesus. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, in just a few moments, the screen's going to come up with a phone number. That's our church's phone number. We will send you 30 daily texts to help you in your journey with Christ. This building of the revelation of who Jesus is to you and this walk that you can have with Him. 
please access that. It's a free thing that we are putting forward to help you in your journey. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's message. Get into your lift groups, discuss this, dive deeper. There is so much meat for us to chew on for today. Hope you had a great time. Hope that God is speaking to you and that you're having the kingdom's uh, mysteries revealed to you today. Thanks, everyone.